0: to the Thrive Podcast. I'm Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll share all we've learned about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. I'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Rock and roll. Here we go back in the land of podcasting. So excited to be here. So happy to be back in the groove. Can't believe that this is the groove. This is what I do, that I'm sitting in my little office that's a little bit echoey and talking to myself some more. It's quite entertaining. Anyway, um, I am thinking about you guys so much and thank you so, so much for being part of this journey with me for sending your emails and your feedback on the Instagrams and it's just been so much fun to meet everybody and to see where you are in the world and I don't know it just brings so much love and happiness and joy and big fat smile to my face so thank you guys most importantly and we are what are we where are we middle of March in Australia we are in the early days of autumn which always means we're smack bang in the middle of our autumn or fall wedding season and so far so good people that's all I have to say one day at a time and I look at our calendar and it makes me tired (laughs) that's okay one thing it does do is it absolutely makes me realize how much information and learning and sharing there is on the horizon. And that is just so, so good. So yay for that. And one thing I will definitely be doing not too long in the distant future is talking to you guys a little bit more around kind of goal setting and planning and breaking your calendar down into 90 day increments. And I don't mean like literally 90 days, but I think one of the things I really have gotten into the swing of doing is kind of sitting down writing out some goals being quite specific around them but focusing in on what I want to be doing in the next 90 days not worrying too much about what's going to happen 18 months from now 5 years from now you know I have we have our long-term goals particularly in terms of like finances and health and the really kind of fundamentals of things but not getting too wrapped up in trying to have the next 12 months exactly sorted. Which is a little bit ironic when you talk to wedding and event florists because we're so easy and carefree in terms of committing ourselves to weddings that may be 18, 24 months down the track. (laughs) When in actual fact, I don't even know when the next time is I'm getting on an airplane to go back to Canada. So it will happen soon, and I know that. It's just this whole idea of booking in your clients' priorities before your own. So definitely we'll talk to you guys a little bit more around goal setting and 90-day planning and thinking through the next 90 days and not getting too overwhelmed with the next 365 days, but just breaking it down into much more, what I think, anyway, are much more tangible pieces, tangible bits of time. Yeah. Anyway, um, I got sent a brilliant question a couple days ago. ...from one of you guys, and I thought it would make a fabulous podcast episode. So, I am going to talk to you today all about the ins and outs of ceiling installations. The how-tos, the what-fors, the considerations. Basically give you guys as much detail information, questions to ask, things to think about. Because they can be quite intimidating, and scary, and daunting... And I think they're one of my favorite parts of the types of weddings that we do. Um, they are certainly not for everyone and don't feel like you need to do installations at all. They do not, do not, donut, they donut, mm, donuts, do not need to be part of what you offer. But for those who are interested in installations, I thought it would be worth taking the time to give you guys as much info and detail on installations as I've learned and there's probably, well I guarantee you, there are things that I haven't learned yet. So, there you go. Um, We spend a lot of time and energy planning installations. And that is something that we've done a lot of. We've done a lot of installations over the course of our weddings some of them way better than others and so I just I've literally done a brain dump so if you guys want to grab a notebook and a pen jot down your own notes or go back and listen to this podcast if you have an installation coming up Um, I think one of the guiding principles in terms of thinking through installations that I want you guys to remember is the more time you spend planning and thinking about it the easier it will be on the day so back in the corporate world, there used to be this kind of a little bit of a motto that said you need to spend at least three times, three times the time you have allotted to the meeting itself, as the meeting is. I don't even think that actually is a, an English sentence, but the whole idea of if you are preparing for a client meeting that's going to be sixty minutes, then you needed to spend at least you know at least three hours planning preparing for that meeting I think the same guiding principle applies for installations and there I think one of the the things to think about is like I want you to go into installations feeling like you've covered off all your bases you've thought it through you have a plan in terms of how you're going to approach it so grab your pen and your notebook and let's get into it get into the notes so um where to begin so I think tip number one is definitely if you have never been to the venue before if a bride has asked you to quote on an installation and you've never been to the venue strongly encourage you to do a site visit if you can obviously if it's in a, a neighborhood or an area that you can get to do a site visit and Be prepared to take some measurements, to ask some questions, and just really get into some of the technical ins and outs. And this is where you're getting into a territory that a lot of floral designers don't necessarily feel comfortable because it is much more like... I don't want to scare you and say it's a little bit more like mechanical engineering but there it is all about understanding the mechanics and the how-to and the what are you doing in terms of how is the structure going to hang from the ceiling are you attaching it to something like are there any weight restrictions anything that you need to worry about in terms of like the actual engineering of it and that is something you need to think about long before you actually get into the physical design, or you're planning your ingredients or anything, is just trying to figure out, like, what what are the mechanics, what sort of engineering are you going to use to create this installation? So you may have a vision, and or your couple may have sent you a reference photo to say, we want to create something like this. So I think it's this whole, definitely have some sort of, like, end goal in mind. You don't have to have everything figured out, but just kind of going, like, oh, okay, are are we creating some sort of, like you know really lush and robust really you know multiple feet long installation or is this just around like more delicate ethereal foliage like are there going to be florals in it is it just foliage like just think through kind of very broad brushstrokes what do you want the end goal to be and then put in and talk to the venue, and make sure you get in and have a site visit. And I would say, do that before you provide the quote to the bride. If the bride is really pushing you to say, give me a cost, give me a cost, give me a cost, be very wary around committing to a dollar figure, and 100% educate them on the process that you need to go through in order to come up with a cost. Because there are some kind of fundamental things that are going to impact how much you want to quote your couple for an installation. So things to think about on your site visit. First thing is the actual physical access to the space. So depending on the type of venue that you're doing this installation at, they may or may not have guidelines slash rules around when you can access the space to do the installation. For example, there are two venues that we work with a lot that also operate as full-service restaurants during the day. So luckily they don't serve breakfast, so their full service doesn't start at one place, it doesn't start till 9am, they just serve coffee from 9am. The second place doesn't start, they need us cleaned up by 11am. So any ceiling installations that we do at those two venues, we have to be in between 7.30 and either 9am or 11am, depending on the venue that is going to have an impact on, obviously, your labor costs associated with the installation. It's also going to have an impact in terms of the mechanics that you're thinking about using. And I'll circle back and come, to, come back to that in a minute when I talk about the team and the mechanics involved in an actual installation. But just knowing that there is an actual like time limitation in terms of when you can have access to that space is going to have an on-flow effect in terms of being able to create that installation for your client so that's one thing time limitations there are we're very fortunate because then there are also other venues where we have access all day you know so then our production schedule or installation time comes down much more to our terms when do we want to do the installation in relation to doing all the other things we need to get done on the day so that's another consideration I would then actually say the third consideration is if you're inside or outside. And if you're looking at doing a site visit and it's more for a ceremony space, definitely consider whether you're going to be in direct sunlight or if it's something that's undercover and have a look at kind of the typical weather conditions on the day because if you're going to be working in the heat, you need to take that into consideration as well. That creates a very real... Um, physical, mental, and emotional um, limitation on your setup, logistics, and timing. So in thinking through a lot of these things, I am going to focus much more in terms of doing ceiling installations more often than not for reception or for like an indoor ceremony space. So a lot of these things you can definitely translate into doing ceremony setups and ceremony installations, but I just thought I would really try and focus today in terms of doing ceiling installations thinking more specifically about receptions so if you're going to have when you go to your site visit definitely ask them around limitations and their requirements in terms of your bump in so that's your setup time and your bump out or your strike or your pack down time um, in a only in one venue where we operate are we required I shouldn't say that There's two venues where we're required to actually come back immediately after the reception to pack everything down because the venue then cleans everything fresh in the morning and starts anew. Almost every other venue that we work with allows us to then come back the next day. So definitely ask that question. So timing. When can you have access to the space and what are their expectations in terms of when you pack down? Those two things, it's very unlikely that your couple is actually going to know the answers to those two things because that's not something they usually need to worry about. So absolutely use that as an opportunity to demonstrate your expertise and communicate to your client. Those are the venue's rules. And you have every right of also communicating that those are the venue's rules. Those are not your rules. That is not, this is you kind of abiding by what the venue is requiring. You are not the person who has chosen that venue. So you might feel I certainly did. I certainly felt guilty or I felt bad in terms of telling the couple, oh, well, we need to be in by 7.30 and then out by 9, as opposed to, no, you know what, I'm going to stand strong, I'm going to stand in my power, and I'm going to say, you know what, with authority, we have talked to the venue, and we know we need to be in by 7.30 and out by 9. Therefore, this has a B, C, D, E effect in terms of how you're going to quote to your client. So use it as an opportunity to demonstrate your expertise. There's also, as you're conducting your site visit, what is your physical access to the space? So a couple of venues we need to park out back at the loading dock and come through the staff entrance and as opposed to using any sort of like of the general public or customer entrance. So just in terms of knowing we need to walk a little bit further, we need to drag things a little bit longer, we need to do a few more loads back and forth to the car. Those things will also affect the amount of time it's going to take you to do your installation. Then, when you actually get to the space itself that you're looking at, that you're going to do the installation in, what are the like anchor points that sit in the ceiling? So, are there exposed beams? Are there chandeliers? Are there? Um, in a couple of venues, there are like hidden. They look like ceiling lights, but they're kind of false false lights, I guess, or something like that, where they can just unscrew them and then like two giant chains fall down. So they've kind of installed the mechanics for you to be able to do these setups because they know that their clients, the people who have booked the venue, want that to happen. So they then made it a lot easier for the event production florist team to come in and look at these things. So what kind of anchor points exist? Definitely, definitely, definitely take a measuring tape with you. It is very deceiving how high things like a ceiling height are, how long beams are, the, diff- the distance between things is also very deceptive. Because you might look at something and be like, oh, well, it's only two meters long. And then you start working on it and you realize, oh, my gosh, there's no way. That we don't have nearly enough product to make this have the impact that we wanted it to have. So definitely take a measuring tape. Make notes in your phone, take a little notebook, do something, be very methodical about it. Pretend, you know, that you work for a construction company, right? Like the guy's not going to give you a quote on, you know, changing a window to a door without coming in to actually measure the window. So don't feel bad or don't feel like you should know these things. Like these are how the professionals come in. When they do a site visit, we take a measuring tape. And we measure more things than we could possibly need. There are times where I'll get really impatient because I'm standing there measuring, you know, like the height of the steel that's on the chandelier or the height and the depth of the timber. But of course, I also turn around and there's some point where we might need to know the answer to those questions. (laughs) And of course, he's written it down and has all that stuff at hand because he knows he has enough experience to realize, oh, we might need to figure out, we might use this beam in something else. So while I'm here, I'm just going to measure all this stuff keep it in a file in our Google Drive, and easy peasy, we have that answer, so that you can, it's very possible to go and do, you know, one site visit, measure everything that you could possibly imagine, whether it has anything to do with that specific client request or not, you know, it's like, just go do the site visit, find a way to keep those notes in a Google Drive or in your project management software, and you know, then you can refer to it. I remember one of our very first weddings, I went and measured the length of the fireplace at this restaurant that we were using. I still have that drawing, you know, and I still have the height of the fireplace, the length of the fireplace, how deep is the mantle? Because if we ever go back there, sometimes I would need to remember that, you know? Like, it's just, it's actually super handy. If you go to the site visit once, just make a note of, you know, if you think you're going to be back there, if you hope you're going to be back there in the future, just measure all the things. So be fine. Be polite about it. All good. So, things to think about: you want to measure where the anchor points are. You know how big are the beams? How long is your installation going to be? Or uh, how? What's the diameter? Ah, so here's a tip: <laughs> if you're doing anything with a chandelier, remember like grade must be grade six or seven math where you started to learn like what is the circumference of something, and then you turn twenty and you're like never going to use that again ever. Well, let me tell you, when you are a florist, all of those trigonometry things are going to come back in handy. So you can always measure the diameter of a chandelier. So that's like the center point, the line that runs through the center of the circle. Measure the diameter, and then you're going to do the old multiply it by 3 times 3.14 And that will give you the whole circumference. You will be surprised. Like there are these chandeliers that we're almost always putting foliage on. You'll be surprised at just how big they are. They are quite massive. So if the diameter is only making this up, this math probably isn't right. The diameter is only like 1.8 meters or like four feet. All of a sudden you're dealing with a circumference that's like five meters or like 15 feet. Right? So... Having that information is critical to you being able to create the design in the way that you want to create it. So what can I move on to next? Um, Then definitely spend a little bit of time in the space thinking about two things. One is, are the mechanics there already for you to do an installation fairly easily? So for example, if they have steel chandeliers the weight-bearing limitations on that are actually pretty high. You're not necessarily going to do like a full floral foliage installation on them, but if you're going to be draping some foliage off of it, it's pretty straightforward. Definitely go out of your way just to seek permission from the venue that all of these things are kosher. In most cases, if you're doing a site visit and you've asked for a site visit, they'll be very used to people answering those questions, and you can even get some of those answers beforehand. Very often, your couple is asking ...for an installation because they've seen a specific picture of one in that venue before. So it's almost always, if you've seen an installation in there before... ...then it's very likely that it's possible. But definitely just do what you can to build a relationship. Be professional and courteous with the venue manager when you go on your site visit. So things you're looking for. The physical access to the space. Anchor points. Are there any weight limitations in terms of what you can hang off that stuff... And then the actual physical, like the time restrictions coming in and in terms of pack down. um, Also measuring anything and everything that you see around you, right? So the width and depth of beams, the height of, you know, chandeliers, the diameter of chandeliers, the length of the rope or the length of the chains on the anchor points, Um, how long you think you want a ceiling installation to be if you're doing it on a beam where does the bridal table usually sit kind of just ask all the ins and outs don't be afraid to ask too many questions absolutely I know for a fact we don't ever make our installations before we get to the venue I hand on heart believe your end product will look so much better if you make the installation on site. There's one asterisk to that. There's a couple formats of installations. So like free, I don't wanna say freestanding because they're like roped pieces of timber that we do foliage installations on where we actually make the installation in the parking lot. So we've arrived to the venue we are making the installation in the parking lot, and then we're securing it in the reception space. That's the only time that we haven't actually made something directly onto like, where the finished piece is going to be. So more than 80, I'd say upwards of 90% of the time, we are in the reception space, and we're designing within that space. There's a handful of times where if we're doing that kind of freestanding floating foliage beam where we'll actually make it out in the parking lot and then we'll carry it in and hang it from a rope. The reason that we would do a foliage installation in the parking lot is because you can make a bit more of a mess and not have to worry too much about it. So you are 100% going to be way, 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 way happier with the end result if you can design in the space that it's created for. Right, because installations are very purpose-built. It's not necessarily something I would encourage you to try and create beforehand and then transport over there because transporting table arrangements is one thing, but trying to transport a finished ceiling installation is a whole other beast, and I think I don't even know how I would go about it because I think you'd end up with like a flat side on it and everything will just end up moving before you go, so... It's this whole idea of you need to figure out what your production schedule is in terms of how you can make this happen on site, which is why your site visit is so important. So you may go and visit you know, the hotel or the restaurant that you're going to do, that your client has asked you to quote on. And you might learn, and this is a very real scenario because this is what we deal with every week. You might learn, okay, so you need to do your installation between 7.30 and 9 a.m. You must be done by 9 a.m. Reception doesn't start till 6 p.m., but there isn't necessarily enough time for you to dress the tables, light the candles, do the name cards, place the table arrangements, and do a ceiling installation in the 4.30 to 6 p.m. window that you have in the afternoon. So at the venue that we work at the most, we have access from 7:30 in the morning till 9 a.m. Got to be fully cleaned out and invisible by 9 a.m. They then f- operate as a full service restaurant up until usually about 3. They start their kind of changeover between the restaurant tables and the reception setup between 3 and 4. And then we can start dressing the tables with the florals from 4. Sometimes the guests are in the reception bar area as early as five o'clock. So we know our window for doing installations is very limited. So, hot tip. If the shorter your window is for installation, the more people, the more hands, the more labor you need to account for to make it happen. So you can't like stretch that time any further, and there's only so much that one person can get done. So if you know you only have an hour and a half, Get at least one person to come with you. Even if you're doing you know, what might be considered a fairly straightforward, let's say it's like a three-foot-long foliage installation, definitely, definitely, definitely quote to your client to have a second person there. Because you have to remember, you need to be ready to go to start working at 7.30, which means you need to actually arrive at the venue at, like say, 7.15, start unpacking, start unloading, getting yourself prepped so that you can start being as productive as you can come 7.30. I would then suggest in terms of your timing, you need to make sure that you have finished and that one of you starts cleaning up like 20 minutes before your deadline because that cleanup process can't be happening at 9 a.m. It needs to be done by 9 a.m. and it always takes longer to clean and tidy up than you think. And then the third thing to remember too is to make sure you've given yourself enough time to be taking photos. So at a couple of the venues, they're okay. I mean, it's not ideal for them, but they're okay if we have cleaned up and there's no sign of our mess and we just look like customers and they're taking pictures. They're okay with that. You know, it just kind of adds to the experience of what's going on, as opposed to they don't want any mess seen from 9 a.m. So give yourself enough time to clean up. And this is where I think, you know, after you've done your site visit, after you've started to map out, okay, what is your process for actually how you're going to make this thing, you kind of have to have it at least 50, if not 80% figured out in order to be able to provide a accurate quote to your client. So you'll have gone to your site visit, you'll come back with your information in terms of access time, physical access points, anchor points, your measurements. And you'll have like your mechanical information, and then you'll have your reference point of like this is what you want the end result to be. So what you need to then do is marry together your vision for your end result with the like very tangible, concrete mechanics of, okay, these are the fundamental bits I have to work with. I have an hour and a half to get this done to create, you know, let's say we want a piece that's going to measure five meters long or... What is that? 15 feet long. And, you know, the client would prefer for it to be, you know, very floral heavy. But I have my instinct is I'm going to, you know, I'm going to provide her with two, if not three price options because I just want her to see that we can do, you know, we could just do all foliage. We could do a few pops of blooms or it could be quite floral heavy. And that's going to have an impact on the price as well so providing them with options is always a really good idea and doing it so that you kind of you really have to sit down and do the math and figure out what your process is in terms of the mechanics and the installation in order to then tell your client here are some gu- here are some quotes in terms of how to actually make this happen what can be incredibly frustrating but it is all just part of the process is that the client may not actually even really have their heart set on doing an installation but they might be just trying to figure out how much does this cost. Like, There is no guidebook that anybody's telling these our clients, you know, installations start from $1,200 or they start from $2,400 or they start from $7,500. Like, they don't even know that information. So in their head, they might just be asking the question in terms of give me a ballpark price. You might then get frustrated because you're like, well, I've already gone and done the site visit. I've figured out all the mechanics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I take the opportunity to go have a site visit and figure out the mechanics as much as a business development opportunity for yourself to build a relationship with that venue and to practice the art of figuring out what you want your mechanics to be as it is about potentially landing, getting the job and doing the installation for that client, right? So Don't necessarily think that your site visit is a total waste of time because you might actually build a great relationship with a new event manager who, in some cases, might become a really good friend of yours or, in some cases, might become your next person that's going to refer something to you and you have a great way to go in, present yourself professionally, be fabulous, be charming, be lovely, be all the good things, and all of a sudden, you might start getting referrals from that venue because they met you and you got along really well, so... Like everything else, ladies, opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back on track. So you've gone for your site visit. You've come back with like your mechanical specs, some might refer to it. And you've got your end vision. You have spent a little bit of time thinking through, okay, so I know what our anchor points are in the space. I know we have a time limitation and I know it's going to take, you know, we want, sorry, and I know we want the end result to be A, B, and C. Right? So we want it to look like this, we want it to be this full, and these are the types of flowers we're going to use. That's when you can sit down and start to figure out for your client how much it's going to cost. You are going to be a little bit shell-shocked at how expensive they become because you need to be considering the labor involved in these installations. So if you are having to arrive on-site at 7.30, it also means you're going to have to start packing your vehicle at You know, depending on how far away the venue is from your studio, you need to add all that time in terms of your labor. And then you're on site and you're doing the installation. And then you also need to pack up. And then you'll probably need to come back in the afternoon to actually set up the tables and everything. It's very possible that you have free reign and access on the venue all day, which certainly takes a little bit of the time pressure stress off of it. But one thing you will learn when you start doing installations is that the design time will take up as long as you have. Now, you might have just heard that sentence and said, Kathleen, that doesn't make any sense. Trust me. (laughs) If you have 60 minutes to make something, it will take you 60 minutes to make it. If you have four hours to make something, it's going to take you four hours to make it. There is literally some principle out there with a fancy name, and it's a legit thing. It is what happens. It will take you as long as you have to make it. So as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of setting a timer. Katie and I will set up, and we'll go to start to do an installation, and we'll say, okay, we're going to set the timer for 27 minutes. We want to be at this point by the time that timer goes off. That is how we stay on track is you break down the actual installation into bits and pieces. So you can be as pedantic and create yourself an event day run sheet that literally outlines in 15-30 minute increments this needs to be done by then, this needs to be done by then, this needs to be done by then. 100% you need to keep the pressure on yourself in terms of the timing, because three hours is going to slip away into oblivion. You're going to look at it, and you're going to be like, I had all this time to do this thing, and this is what I ended up with. Of course, you're going to be your harshest critic, but just remember, it will take as much time as you have. You will be very surprised when you start putting your quote together for your client, how quickly the costs add up. So, You need to make sure in your quoting process that you're accounting for your time and if you have any freelancers with you, their time. Definitely be charging a premium in terms of early site setup and late night pack downs. And if you have any extra helpers on hand, make sure you're capturing that time as well. Don't forget that the time it takes for you to pack the van, get to the venue, unload the van to load into the venue space, all matters. That's all time that the client should be paying for, let alone the actual design and installation time. So where you can, and I'm sure some of you guys would so much rather be creating installations at home and then transporting it over there. In my experience, I have found the transportation of things like that to be detrimental to the end result so there are a few times where I have tried to kind of oh, I'll just do this bit and then we'll finish it over there through the transportation process I just am not loving what's been created you completely lose sight of the scale of what you're installing in so your studio might be I don't know whatever size your studio is but the restaurant you're designing in is literally like 50 times bigger so you've designed something in a in a space where the scale is just nowhere near what you want it to be for the final space. It's kind of like, I don't even know what the equivalent would be, but hopefully that makes sense to you guys, where it's, I guess in terms of just, I don't know, creating a table arrangement. It's like you've created a table arrangement on your bedside table, and you go, yeah, that looks good. You know, and the thing measures 20 centimeters by 20 centimeters. And then you put it at the center of a giant eight-foot round, and you realize, shite, that's tiny. That scale thing is incredibly important in terms of the design and the impact of the piece that you're creating. So I went to a workshop with the beautiful Mr. Cook in Sydney three and a half, four years ago, possibly. And one of the things that 100% stuck in my mind was the idea of embracing the theatrics. So when you're creating an installation, what you're doing is you're trying to create an immediate visual impact, right? So it's that three seconds, somebody walks into the room and they go, <gasps> wow, right? There's a definite hangover and layo- layover effect in terms of your you are adjusting and playing with the Ambiance and the mood in the room because you are playing with the physical architecture that's in there. So you're changing the aesthetic that's in that space for the better, I believe. But that immediate wow impact is exactly what you're trying to create with an installation. So much of that involves scale and proportion. So it is about creating wow impact. I believe, you know, focus group of one. Here, but I believe to get that result happening, you need to create the installation on site. To do that, you need to have a very good plan, you need to have at least one other person with you, and you need to have spent a huge, like, huge amount of time pre-planning. So, thinking through the actual mechanics of how you're going to create the thing you're going to create some handy tips and tricks. So when it comes to the mechanics that you might use, cable ties are your best friend. And if you're the type of person who is very anti-plastic, then you might want to consider twine, although I would hesitate to think, I would second guess the fact that it's gonna stay up in the same place. So I know there's a big movement to move away from plastic. I believe, though, until somebody invents something that's biodegradable, cable ties, if that is the only plastic thing that you use in all of your wedding materials, you're doing well. You can get away with doing a massive installation and use, I don't know, 50 cable ties, 60 cable ties, maximum 100 cable ties. If you pull all that out and that is your only wastage from your installation, I think you're doing pretty well. So... I think it's incredibly tricky if you're trying to start a wedding and events business and, and become the most environmentally friendly person out there. I think there are lots of flaws in the floral industry in terms of how it impacts the environment. Anything you can do is good. Don't try and think you can be the superhero of the environment if you work in floristry. I'm sure people will disagree with me. <laughs> However, I strongly believe you need to give to cable ties a chance so that's one thing i'll say about that um, if you are unsure as to whether a product will do well and last out of water test it all you need to do like i'll sometimes take the dog out for a walk and be like oh that's pretty foliage i wonder if it would last in installation i'll just nab a couple leaves a little branch a little twig whatever and i'll rest it in our garage and i'll leave it there for two or three days if i come back in two or three days and it still looks decent it still looks good you're fine You're golden. So you really do want to figure out what foliages are going to last really, really well. And don't forget, don't forget, when you're doing a silly installation, it is almost always at quite a significant height. So it's at least two or three meters off the ground. It's always hotter up there, particularly if it's spring, summer or autumn, particularly if you live in a part of the world where it gets real hot. Even if the venue has air conditioning, it's always going to be warmer where the installations sit. Most of the time, your flowers and your foliage are going to be out of water. So you just need to put some consideration into how this product is going to last in that additional heat. And in a situation where there is no water source for them. All it takes is a little bit of pre-planning grab a little bit of foliage, leave it in a place for 48 hours, come back to it. If it's dead, don't use it. If it still looks good, you're fine. You're golden. So definitely test out some of your ingredients before you do your installation. A couple other mechanical things you might want to think about. So chicken wire, um, definitely to kind of get into that practice of creating those chicken wire pillows to use to create a frame we use them more for florals as opposed to trying to create a frame with them for our foliage with our foliage we simply cable tie things to other things when katie and i would first do our first installations we had like those little sausage oases. we had to figure out a way to hang them and then we'd cut little itty bitty pieces <laughs> oh the things we've learned we would cut little bitty pieces to try and cover up all that oasis then we got our eyes opened to realizing nah you know what? Cut down really large branches of foliage. Cable tie the things to the things. You will be amazed and so excited as to how fast you can make an impa- impact by having large branches of foliage cable tied to each other. Then you do need to go back and make sure that you've covered up any like random branch ends that are sticking out because nobody wants to see that. One of the fundamental things you learn in flower school is to always cover up your mechanics. So You want to go back and make sure that from a distance, you can't see the cable ties and that there aren't any like sticks or branches or their bums are hanging out the back. My best kept secret, which is not a kept secret at all. My best trick for doing that is fake flowers and fake foliage, good old everlasting. So we pay quite a bit of money for our artificial hydrangea, and then we have a container of artificial ivy. Like they're bigger than clusters, and they're gotta be a nicer word than a clump. <laughs> but the so we've got a Tupperware of beautiful hydrangea, like would absolutely fool the average person if they just looked at it normally, like at eye height. And then we've got a container of artificial ivy. Almost always, the last thing we do is we'll go in and shove that stuff in the back of the installation to cover up any sort of mechanic that we might be using. One of the greatest benefits about using artificial flowers, and I think most, if not all, florists that I know who do large-scale installations all have a selection of artificial flowers. A, we never tell our clients that they're artificial. They don't need to know what they what kind of sits behind the focal flowers within the installation. There's always going to be a mix of fresh flowers and artificial flowers. And the artificial flowers that we buy are incredibly expensive and really high quality. So you get what you pay for when it comes to artificial flowers. We will always use them as the way to cover up the mechanics at the back because the heads of hydrangea that we have are like 30 centimeters in diameter. So you shove it in the back and it covers everything up beautiful it's a beautiful thing um other things that we've used so if we're doing an installation and we don't want to have to we kind of want to anchor it to our own piece of timber because sometimes and this sounds weird if you do even if you're doing like a beam installation you might be like why would you put a separate piece of timber on there partly because you'll also like sometimes the timbers are like 30 centimeters across so then you're trying to put together like five cable ties and it gets really cable tie-y Versus if you can anchor your own piece of timber to like the front of that beam or the bottom of that beam and you will end up pulling it completely snug so nobody will actually see that piece of timber but you end up using less cable ties and it's just way easier to sort through your mechanics when you have a smaller anchor to attach things to. So just a little trick to keep in mind is that we have like in the garage we have a whole stack of you know pieces of timber that have been stained like a dark wood color So that we can use them as the basis of our kind of the anchoring for most of our installations. And I also trust timber way more than I trust a lot of other things. So Sloan errs on the side of making sure you could almost hang off of it in terms of how much product we can put on these things. um, Because we just don't ever want these things to fall in anybody's head. And so other things to think about. So yeah, timber frames. If you want to use flower foam, absolutely go for it. If you want to use chicken wire and vials, absolutely go for it. Test out your products before you actually create your installation just to see their shelf life outside of water. Um, metal. So we've got we've also got like metal strapping that we've used before. Um, definitely like ropes, chains, if you need things to anchor from. Here's a little hot tip. I have no idea how to tie those super fancy, like, this thing's never going to fall down from the ceiling rope. But what you can do, we have, it's this white, or no, sorry, it's natural, like, I think it's just natural rope. I think they use it for securing something on boats, I think. It's not plastic. It's actual, like, cotton, natural jute or something. You can just tie a double knot, which is never, not necessarily the most secure knot that's out there. Tie a d- double knot and then bring the two ends of your rope together and just take one or two little mini cable ties and anchor them to each other so that you have like a second level of security in terms of knowing that knot a that knot's not going to come undone because the cable ties are going to hold a lot of that sturdiness in place. So don't feel intimidated or don't feel like you have to learn how to tie fancy rope knots if you know how to that's cool but you don't have to definitely 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 this is so weird go to youtube and learn how to tie knots with fishing line another thing that you don't ever learn at flower school that you just have to make up but don't ever show up to a venue and think you can use fishing line to hang your tea lights without having learned how to tie a knot with fishing line because it's very different to just tying a double knot your double knot's just not going to stay. <laughs> hey, look at that joke. Your double knot's just not going to stay. Um, what else is on my list? Oh, yeah. So the other thing you could potentially use if you need a round structure is just a hula hoop. You aren't necessarily going to get a huge amount of... Like, they can't put a lot of weight on them, but you do get that perfect circle. So if you, you can always spray paint your hula hoop and then put your foliage and florals on it so that you've created your own chandelier. I think you could always take a walk around Bunnings Home Timber Home Depot to figure out what other kind of mechanics or anchors you could use and just be imaginative 100% be imaginative so what can I move on to next I think that is kind of everything I have covered a lot of details and hopefully that made sense for you guys Um, let's just make sure I've gone through and touched on all the things so 100% before you provide a quote to your client go do a site visit. Don't feel bad around telling them you have to do a site visit because you need to figure out and tell them some of the questions that you need to ask, right? Like what are the anchor points? How far away? What are the access times? What's the physical access that you have? What's the ceiling height? How what's the diameter of the beams? How long do the chains come out of the ceiling? What's the diameter and the circumference of the chandeliers? What are the restaurant's limitations in terms of when you can come in, when you can come out? And make a plan, definitely make it your approach, make it your plan that you're going to create the installation on site. You can absolutely, if you're afraid you don't have enough time to do the installation in the space, it's better to take everything to the venue and create the thing in the parking lot and then transport it in. Ideally, you'd be able to have the team and the time to be able to do the installation in the space, but sometimes, particularly in your first few installations, you want to give yourself way more time, and that is totally fine. I would caution you against trying to create the installation in your studio and then transporting it to the venue. I feel like the recipe for disaster is quite big if anything went wrong, but more importantly, the design and the scale of the piece that you're creating may not be what you wanted it to be in the end. So creating pieces on site. And then you need to be spending a huge amount of your time. Don't underestimate the value of the time in terms of planning how you're going to make this thing happen. And you pretty much need to have figured out 50, 60, 70, 80% of your approach before you quote your client. So yes, you do need to put some thought and energy and over invest in your time simply to get the quote across the line. You are 100% going to look at the total that you're quoting and saying this is way, way, way too much. That's not your judgment call to make. Your client gets to decide whether they see value in that installation or not. It is not your decision to turn around and decide to mark it down because you feel bad. Mm-mm. Nobody wants me shaking a finger at them, do you? <laughs> so... Some mechanics you might want to consider. Obviously, check out to see what's at the venue that you can use. You can always use a piece of timber, piece of metal strapping, um, lots of things you could probably find at the um, resource recovery center, like recycling center in terms of like metal frames, metal cages, metal who knows what to be really kind of clever in terms of the installations that you use. Uh, rope, chains, fishing line. You might want to think about chicken wire, if you're going to use flower foam, if you're going to use water vials. Definitely, definitely, definitely test out your ingredients and your product just in terms of their shelf life before you arrive on site to do the installation on the day. When you are thinking, oh, here's something. When you're thinking about doing your actual design, don't forget to work within three dimensions, Right? So the whole idea of having something hanging up high and you just want to make sure that it comes, that there's some movement that comes down, that goes out to the side, but that also comes forward. That forward little bit was something that I still have to remind myself to do, right? So you're not just dealing with two dimensions from side to side and up and down, but that third dimension about coming forward, that's what's going to create your depth and your interest in terms of your installation. So make a note to yourself, literally. <laughs> You are, in terms of your design and your mechanics and your installation, looking to create wow factor of the overall installation. Don't get too hung up on if you're standing with your head inside your installation and you don't like one little bit of it. Get down off the ladder and look at it from a distance. If in doubt, take a quick snapshot with your phone. It's going to speak volumes to you in terms of whether you like where you're going or you don't like where you're going. In an ideal scenario, in terms of how many people required to make this thing happen, I would say, regardless of what you're doing, probably you need to have two people on site. It is absolutely 100% possible to do installations on your own. You just need to make sure you have a huge amount of time. Because you need to arrive at the venue, you need to unpack the van by yourself, you need to set up your ladder, you need to set up your tarp, you need to sort out your mechanics, you need to do it all by yourself, so you need to have a really long period of time. it is possible to do it by yourself. Just know that you can probably get it done in less than half the time by having another person with you. Mostly because you're going to spend a lot of time going up that ladder, attaching a piece, coming down that ladder, taking a look back. Going up that ladder, attaching a piece, coming down and taking a look back. Going up that ladder to move that piece to come down and have another look back. Right. So all of that time you're spending moving up and going down the ladder eats up so much time in terms of design. So in an ideal scenario, you'd have a minimum of two people. So make sure in your quote that you're thinking that way. Whether you want to approach it that one person is doing the physical installation and the other person is directing it, or you kind of want to alternate, or you could possibly, it is totally fine too, because this is the way we tend to approach it, is Katie and I will both start in one place, then we'll kind of swap. And there is no, oh, I don't like this or I don't like that preciousness around changing things. It is 100% about the overall impact on the day. Do you like this? Don't you like this? Are we moving in the right direction? What are we thinking about shape? Is this working? Is this not working? So depending totally on who you're working with, right? Like if you're just, if you've hired somebody to help you to help you be that second pair of hands, you very well could get them to be the person who attaches things right? You need to be really clear in your communication and help them understand what you're trying to envision and trying to do, but getting them to actually be the physical attacher of it might be the best of your time, right? Because you need to point the design in the, in the direction and the vision that you want to be going in. So that's my thought on that. Don't forget to make sure you're quoting for all the labor costs in terms of how you do the quote with your clients, Take a timer with you. If you have an iPhone, you have a timer on there. Set it for some arbitrary amount of like 27 minutes. Break your whole production window down into increments like that and make sure you give yourself enough time to clean up. Top tip. Don't forget to leave the place nicer than when you found it. I don't want to be associated with florists out there that decide to leave a freaking mess in the reception space. It makes us look bad. Nobody likes it. You're not going to win any favors. Do not be that girl. Make sure you show up with a broom, a dustpan, and a pop-up bin, and you clean up after yourself. Please. Please, please, please. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Yes, and don't forget to ask about your setup times. When can you have access to the space, as well as the requirements in terms of pack-down. Yes? Don't forget to charge premium labor prices if they're early in the morning or late at night. It is not your responsibility to feel bad about saying you need to charge more. These are the venue's rules. It's your client who has decided to book that venue and it decided to explore the idea of doing an installation. right? You're just simply providing information in terms of, oh yeah, well that installation might look straightforward. It might only be two meters long, but all of a sudden if you have to go set up between 7.30 a.m. and 9 a.m., And you have to pack down between 11.30 p.m. and 12.30 a.m. It becomes expensive. So those are just pieces of information that you need to arm your client with. To help them make a decision as to whether it's worth it or not. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to end it at that. I hope that was really helpful for you guys. If you guys think I've missed anything, let me know. And as per the use... I am now doing Q&A live on Instagram. So Instagram lives on Monday morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time. So send me your questions. Definitely be following me at littlebirdbloom on Instagram and DM me with your questions. Provide a comment on anything with a question. Respond to my Instagram stories, question button thingo with your questions and always happy to help. Or send me an email and you can go to thrivepodcast.co. So T-H-R-I-V-E podcast.co. And there you can scroll down and there's a little place where it says, I want to submit a show idea and it will just automatically email me. So that's fabulous. And my last request is if you know any flower friends who would benefit from all of this fun and enjoyment and information, share it with them. So loving meeting you guys. And thank you once again for being part of this fun time. I hope this has been helpful. There is a lot of information, but don't forget you can always go back and listen to it again. So take some notes, enjoy yourself, have a beautiful day, and if anybody sees a unicorn, let me know. Love you. Bye.